In today's episode, we learn why so many preschoolers might be afraid of amphibians. We discovered that this fear of amphibians and our personal theology may be strikingly similar. We take the blandest food you can imagine and compare it to God's love. And we, in an effort to find a better theology, remove the corn, skip the water, add fresh tomatoes and some jalapenos in order to really spice things up. All on the way to answering the age-old question, how is God's love like a Mexican restaurant? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. When our son was in preschool, he'd come home every day and we would ask him about his day. Daniel, how was school today? We were always excited to hear about what happened, what he found interesting, what he learned. The school he intended was truly a learning-rich environment, and we eagerly awaited his telling us what he learned about, say, clouds or colors or music or whatever the learning, whatever the discovery was that he'd had that day. His answers, interestingly, were pretty much uniformly the same every single day. We would ask him about his day. Daniel, tell us about school. And he would begin by telling us someone's or several someone's names, followed by the same phrase every single time. Jumped off the lily pad today. So our question was answered by Johnny and Liz jumped off the lily pad today. Eventually, after some prodding and asking, he would tell us what he learned. But first, he always told us who jumped off the lily pad today. It wasn't until several weeks into school when there was an open house at the school and we got to go into his classroom and hear from his teacher in his classroom that we discovered about the lily pad. At the front of the classroom, there was a giant green lily pad on the wall with 16 cut-out laminated frogs on it. Each frog had written on it the name of one of the 16 children who were in the class. Below the green lily pad was a yellow lily pad, and below the yellow one was a red lily pad. If you got in trouble or got called down for something during the day, your frog was moved from the green lily pad to the yellow one as a mild form of punishment and warning. If you were really bad, then your frog was moved to the red lily pad. What was interesting to me was that when it was time during the open house for parents to ask questions of the teacher, the very first question asked was about the lily pads. The teacher told us about what they were and what they meant and how they were used. Evidently, lots of other parents were also having a hard time getting their children to share more about their day than who jumped off the lily pad. Here's the interesting thing. As far as I know, Daniel went through the entire year without ever being taken off the green lily pad a single time. But that didn't matter. To our four-year-old child, the most important thing in every single day is not to do anything that might cause you to jump off the lily pad. In every sense, the lily pad system of preschool crowd control is a perfect theological model that many of us carry around for God's love. 
Many of us, subconsciously or secretly or not so secretly, believe that you enter into life as a pristine and sinless newborn. You are at that point without sin. This is very much the same way everyone's frog. You enter into the school day with your frog on the green lily pad. Every day you started your day at as high a point as you could possibly achieve during the day on the green lily pad. And the only possibilities for the kids in that class were for them to attempt not to lose ground or to slip from the green lily pad. And in much the same way, we often believe that we begin life without sin. Now, this seems like a pristine and beautiful way of looking at a newborn, but theologically, it's actually pretty dark and disturbing. If the most sinless a child will ever be is on the day of her birth, then we believe in a relationship in which we are destined to lose ground every single day of our lives, to never gain ground at any point during our lives. We start at the highest point we'll ever get, and we slowly lose ground through whatever actions we do for the rest of our lives. We, in this model, just hope all our losses throughout our lives don't mean we wind up being sent to, well, that big red fiery lily pad down below when life is over. Now, when I was much younger, I attended a church retreat where we're told about God's grace. Now, God's grace is God's love and other gifts given to us, though we haven't earned them. God's grace, by definition, is unmerited. Matter of fact, you'd probably be hard-pressed to find a definition of God's grace where the word unmerited isn't used. So back to the spiritual retreat, talking about God's grace, we were told that a great example of God's grace, once again, think about God's grace being the full spectrum of God's love, is that it is much like grits. For those of you who grew up in the southern United States, then probably no explanation is necessary as to what grits are. But for those of you who didn't grow up here or who live in another country, grits are boiled cornmeal, similar to polenta, if you know what that is. So grits are a white, textured, corn-based porridge. And they're served at almost every breakfast diner across the southern United States. They are, for many people, an acquired taste, and for a lot of people, a never-acquired taste. But if truth be told, for most Southerners, they are a medium to support other flavors. Cheese, sausage, eggs, butter, shrimp, peppers, onions are all things that get mixed into grits at various times in different ways. You can eat them plain, or you can eat them as cheese grits for breakfast, or you can eat them as shrimp and grits for lunch or dinner. It's really good any time of the day. But in this case, the person who was speaking to us at the retreat was really meaning just plain old grits as served with breakfast in a diner. It's not unusual to walk into a southern diner and order two eggs, bacon, and toast, or whatever you want for breakfast, and to discover that when your order comes to the table, it's accompanied by grits. You didn't order it. You didn't pay for it. It just comes to you whether you ask for it or not. And so the lesson we were given is that God's grace is a lot like grits. You don't ask for it. You haven't earned it. You just get given it no matter what. But, but I want to offer an alternative model today. It's not that describing God's love as being like grits is wrong. 
But I think I have another restaurant-based food analogy for God's love that I like even better. And I will admit, I'm now offering a second restaurant-based food analogy for the love of God when I'm pretty sure no one wanted the first one, and certainly there was zero desire for someone to come up with an alternative. But if you've listened to this podcast before, you're not surprised. So here goes. God's love, God's grace is like, well, it's like a Mexican restaurant. First, I think it's a bit more accessible, don't you? I mean, not everybody has a restaurant down the street that serves grits, but everyone knows of and has probably visited a Mexican restaurant. So this analogy is far more accessible and obvious as to its meaning. Wait, it's not? Huh. I really thought this one was a slam dunk. Okay, not long ago, my family was out running errands, and lunchtime rolled around. We were all hungry and decided to go eat someplace. As it turned out, one of our favorite Mexican restaurants was just down the street, so we stopped in to have our lunch. This is one of those places that seats you at your table, and before they take your order, much less bring your food, they place a large basket of chips on the table with a couple of saucers of salsa. Now, everyone in my family loves chips and salsa, so we did the obvious thing, and when they were brought to the table, well, we turn them down. We didn't turn them down because we didn't want them. We turned them down because, well, we can't control ourselves in the presence of chips and salsa. So we said, no, thank you. And best I can tell, this restaurant has a couple of people who do nothing but make sure every table has chips and salsa. And when we said no, the person just, they just looked at us like we'd turned down the winning lottery ticket like we had declined a free vacation, like we had said no to, well, unlimited free chips and salsa. We ordered our drinks, and before they came, another person tried to put chips and salsa on our table, which we politely again declined. After our drinks came, the people with the chips and salsa came by again. And just before our food came, we were offered chips and salsa yet another time. There were probably six to eight times at least that someone tried to slip some chips and salsa onto our table. And it happened so frequently that we began to get the giggles about it. Wow, these people really want us to have the chips and salsa, don't they? So the grace of God is... Yeah, you get it now, don't you? It's like a Mexican restaurant. God... God's love is not like a preschool lily pad because that describes a God who's wanting us to fail, trying to catch you doing something wrong. God's love could be like grits, but for me, the image is too static. You get it once and you're done. God's grace, the abundance of God's love is like the chips and salsa at this Mexican restaurant. You're not being charged for it. They want you to have it for free. You didn't do anything to earn it. They are going to offer it to you without being asked. Matter of fact, even if you turn it down, you're never going to stop being offered the chips and the salsa. And that, to me, is a fabulous, delicious and crunchy simile for God's love. If you don't want God's love, you are going to be offered it anyways. If you turn it down, God will never stop offering. And if you accept it, well, God's love is an enormous basket. And the best part, it comes with unlimited and instant refills.
That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me by email, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. <laughs>